Hi, everyone, and welcome to Spill It, the Gwinnett County Public Library's podcast all about YA literature, where two of us love YA and one sadly does not. I'm Catherine, Teen Services Librarian, and I love YA. I'm Patty, Youth Services Manager, and I also love YA. And I'm Sarah, Youth Services Specialist, and I'm the other one who sadly does not. It's not sad. <laughs> it's sad for the rest of us. Uh, I'm just sad for you. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm sad for you, too, because you're missing out. <laughs> I haven't missed much. I've been reading nothing but YA for this podcast. That's not entirely true. <laughs> we are definitely making an impact on Sarah's reading, whether she enjoys it or not. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> what are you guys reading right now? Well, guess what? What? I'm still reading the Akatar series. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like officially into a Court of Wings and Ruin now. Um, but I do have to keep stopping to read other books. Oh, and I did finish all the Heartstopper graphic novels. Nice. I am. I have finished all the available graphic novels and now I'm just reading it online. Well, right. Because <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> but I, I started watching the show and then I was like, wait. The first episode is basically the first, the first two episodes are basically the first book. I was like, I don't want to skip ahead because then I'll know what the <laughs> books are about. Mm. So now I can watch the rest of the show. I'm weird like that. No, I, you know, whatever. Whatever <laughs> floats your boat. Whatever gets you reading and watching more Heartstopper. Well, true. <laughs> what are you reading, Sarah? I'm reading The Spice Road by Maya Abraham. Yeah, it's a fantasy set in kind of a Middle Eastern type world. And it's about um, a girl who has magical powers and they live in a kingdom where magic is kind of um, accepted and normal, but they don't realize that there's a whole other world like kind of beyond their world with other people and civilizations. And she discovers this because her older brother goes missing and uh, so she and her younger sister are kind of maybe going to try to find him. So fantasy, I feel like from the jacket, there's going to be some romance happening. So interesting. I will say I'm proud of you since that's like a book subscription yeah. book. Because <laughs> I'm not always the best book. about reading my book subscription books. The so. fact that that book is sitting on my floor as we speak. Says something about how good I am at reading those. Yeah, it's mine's on the bottom shelf of my bookshelf. That's all where all the books I haven't read yet live. Well, so far I like it. So, well, good. Y'all should pick it up off okay. the floor, blow the dust off the jacket, and give it a try. Okay. <laughs> Can I quit my job? <laughs> sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not if you want to stay on this podcast. Oh, well, then I, I guess I won't. <laughs> Did you have one you wanted to talk about, Patty? Yes. I am reading, uh, on my continuing quest to read all the graphic novels, <laughs> I'm reading Chef's Kiss by Jarrett Melendez and uh, illustrated by Danica Bryan. And this is a very... Sweet. It kept coming up on all of my recommendations after reading Heartstopper and Mooncakes. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I will give this a try. And it's adorable. It is a story of a guy named Ben, 
was on the job hunt after graduating from college and he can't find a job in his own chosen field and he ends up getting a job in a restaurant and learning how to become a chef and um it's not exactly what his parents want him to do it's not exactly what he thought he was going to be doing and it surprises everybody and of course there's a little bit of romance in there as well and it is quite charming and delightful and at the end you get a, a recipe on how to make ben's butternut squash soup oh that's ben, right up sarah's alley. i know <laughs> uh, right and ben's mushroom ricotta tart which also looks very good from the pictures i don't know <laughs> so i'm like yes i'm gonna have to try to make some of these some of the recipes like I, reading this made me very hungry <laughs> <laughs> have you read bloom I um, have read Blue. Okay. I, I was going to say that would be another graphic novel that kind of goes yes. with the ones you were just talking about. I like that one also ties in with the food. Yeah. So. Oh, and Bloom is by Kevin Panetta. Yeah. I liked that one. It was good. So what are we talking about today? Yes, Patty. What are we talking about today? Oh, it's me. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I picked this book. That's right. So we decided that we wanted to read a sequel just to really immerse Sarah in the YA experience. Thank you for thinking of me. <laughs> and when I looked at the books we had all read, there was a book that we had all read, we'd all enjoyed until the last 30 pages. <laughs> and that was Anatomy by Dana Schwartz. And so we decided to read this, or at least I decided to make us read, the sequel, Immortality, A Love Story by Dana Schwartz. I wanted to read it anyway, so you didn't good. make me. Good, 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 good. <laughs> I'm very glad because we did not realize when we read Anatomy that there was going to be a second book. And we thought the ending of that book was lacking some things like, oh, closure. Yeah, I was going to say closure. <laughs> Resolution. And so um, when I heard that this was the sequel was out. I was very excited. And so that is what we read. Immortality, a love story. Let's talk about that cover. I do love the covers of these books. It matches anatomy, a love story. In Instead of being a light color, it's a dark black color. And it's got a girl in a dress. And the dress looks like a brain. And anatomies was the heart. Yep. Very cool. But I think it's very cool. I wish there were going to be more of these. I'd like just, to see more covers. She just I wants more see, covers. Uh, <laughs> more dresses in the shape of human organs. Yeah. <laughs> so What's really, next? The spleen? Yeah. If anybody knows of people who make dresses in the shapes of human organs, let Catherine know. You should say, it looks like that because it's a photo from above. Yes. It's not so, like she's wearing a dress that's a brain. <laughs> That would, I'm not even sure how that would work. Right. The skirts flow and the ruffles and everything and looks the wrinkles, like, yeah. look like a brain. And I admit from the, from a distance, I can see that this is a girl in a dress more from the anatomy one I, I thought was a heart. It took me a minute to like really see that it was not a heart. This looks a little more like a girl in a dress. Oh, and she's holding her doctor's bag. I just noticed that. Well, I mean, it's very important. I know, but I didn't realize before that she was holding her bag. The bag's kind of important in the story. I mean, to a degree. So anything else I needed to mention about the cover? I just I just did a whole thing of cover talk. 
I think you did a great job for someone who hates the cover talk segment of this podcast. It's very hard to describe an image. Okay. I don't agree, but <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. Okay. Hazel Sinnott is alone and half convinced the events of the year before, the immortality, Beecham's vile, were figments of her imagination. She doesn't even know if Jack is alive or dead. All she can really do is now is treat patients and maintain Hawthorden Castle as it starts to decay around her. When saving a life leads to her arrest, Hazel seems doomed to rot in prison until a message intervenes. Hazel has been specifically requested to be the personal physician of Princess Charlotte, the sickly granddaughter of King George III. Soon, Hazel is dragged into the glamour and romance of a court where everyone has something to hide, especially the enigmatic and brilliant members of the social club known as the Companions to the Death. As Hazel's work entangles her more and more with the British court, she realizes that her own future as a surgeon isn't the only thing at stake for her. Malicious forces are at work in the monarchy, and Hazel may be the only one capable of setting things right. I think we should start with some background of like what happened, just an overview of what happened in anatomy for those who may not be familiar with that one. That would help, I think. Um, Hazel Sennett is a teenage girl who lives in 19th century Edinburgh, and she wants to be a doctor, which is not something that was allowed women in 19th century Edinburgh. So in the first book, she dresses up in her brother's clothes and secretly goes to school to become a surgeon, gets found out, gets kicked out, needs some dead bodies to work on, befriends a grave robber named... Resurrection Man. Yes, a resurrection man named Jack, steals some bodies, (laughs) makes out with Jack in a grave. Yep. (laughs) important plot point um, and people have been murdered showing up murdered. yeah meanwhile people are showing up murdered turns out it's dr beecham he has this weird immortality serum and he's like killing people for body parts and frames jack for the murders jack goes to jail and is hung and may or may not have taken some of this immortality serum before he dies or possibly doesn't die and that was the end of the book we've just spoiled that book for you sorry <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot that happens (laughs) that I glossed over. So this book picks up um, about a year later. I think it's about a year, maybe six six months to a year. And you still don't know if Jack is dead or alive. Until chapter 22. I was like, you have to make it (laughs) quite a ways through the book before you get an answer to that question in case you were wondering. (laughs) Let's not spoil that one, maybe. I don't know. Just saying you get the answer in chapter 22. I'm pretty sure you can guess what the answer is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say it is called a love story. So you can. So, yes, this picks up. (laughs) Hazel is working as a doctor, doing her thing as a surgeon uh, in Edinburgh out of her family's castle. Her family is basically, they're all alive. They're just not there. It's they're not all alive. Well, her brother George is dead. Yes, we know because George is mentioned a lot about her dead brother. But um, not so much in this one as there was in the last one. Her mother has left to go to school with her younger brother. I'm sure her younger brother is thrilled to have his mom with him all the time. And her dad is in the military? Yes. Mm -hmm. Stationed somewhere. 
We never see these characters. They are unimportant. (laughs) Skirting Napoleon, right? It was something to do with Napoleon. Oh, I think yes, yes. Yes. Um, So Sarah's favorite trope, basically an orphan. Right. (laughs) Is that the one you call practical orphan? She's a practical orphan. She's a practical orphan. (laughs) We haven't really gone into the orphan talk too much lately. I was like, what are your terms? I think it's practical. Because if she were not a practical orphan, then none of this would happen because she is not doing anything ladylike at all. I'm pretty sure she would be married to her cousin by now. Yes. Her mother would have made that happen. She has turned down a marriage proposal from her cousin and um, is just going to going to be a doctor and live alone all of her life i will say this is a weird point that i'm sad about but i was sad about her marigold dress from mrs t ray (laughs) yeah i want to know what happened to the dress (laughs) that'll be the sequel (laughs) just Just the story of the the marigold dress Yeah. (laughs) yeah so she is helping people she ends up helping a woman who uh is miscarrying due to taking some medication on purpose um, and abortion was illegal. And so she gets thrown in jail for murder. And then she gets called out of jail to go be the doctor to princess Charlotte. I had to look up this book because this is not a time period I'm very familiar with. It's, it's just not, not my thing. And I was like reading this book and uh, I asked my roommate, I'm like, Hey, when did Princess Charlotte die? She died, right? There wasn't a Queen Charlotte. And she was like, I don't I don't think so. Why? And I was like, well, because I'm reading this book and Princess Charlotte's in it. And I'm pretty sure I think I think something's going to happen uh, that I don't think actually happened in real life. And I'm, I'm just curious, like, did she die? What happened to Princess Charlotte? And so my roommate then went down a rabbit hole of looking up what happened to Princess Charlotte and spent an hour... <laughs> Every once in a while, popping her head up from her phone and telling me random facts about the British monarchy. Charlotte did not become queen. Victoria became queen. I was going to say. Because Charlotte died. Right. In childbirth. After marrying Leopold, who's never mentioned in this book. Yeah, this book changes history a little bit. So I think you can enjoy it. I think you can learn some history. Do not go take your history exam based on what you read in this book. (laughs) You will fail that test. It is fiction. Right. (laughs) And she does tell you, I got all the way to the end of the book. And in the author's note, she does tell you what actually happened to Princess Charlotte. I was like, oh, I guess Emily Grace didn't need to do all that research. Oh, well, she's learned something. (laughs) But in case you're still wondering about the marigold dress. Oh, yes. Right. She wears it to the ball or her is it her cousin's ball? Her cousin. No, her no, no. Friend, her friend's ball. It right. was her friend's ball. And she's wearing this beautiful miracle dress that everybody is complimenting her on. And I was like, I wish I could see this miracle dress. But then that's where she gets, you know, arrested and then thrown into jail. It's from that ball. So she's wearing the ball gown. It gets ripped in the, scuff- in the scuffle of her arrest. And we never hear from the dress again. Yeah, they take it from her. And- <laughs> She doesn't get it back. She does. Get she does wonder about. Uh, she does wonder about it periodically in the book because she's like, I wonder where that dress ended up. Yeah, yeah and like, here's the thing: I would wonder Maybe too. That's why I'm still like, where's the dress? 
she does get another dress by that same uh, designer, and it also sounds beautiful. But now I can't it remember what does. color it is. It was, it was like navy. a midnight blue. Like, yes, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that sounds with some silver like embroidery. Yes, and I was like, oh, that sounds Which beautiful. She spoiler, she leaves that dress behind. Just gonna. She doesn't really that. particularly care about dresses. I mean, she likes them, but she's also perfectly happy wearing she's her not, old dresses. Yeah, she's not motivated by dresses. But there's a reason she decided she hated that dress. So but I won't spoil all of that for you because I think it'll ruin a fair bit of the plot of the book. Mm-hmm. Yes. I really have to say, I really enjoy Dana Schwartz's writing. Like something about it is just very compelling. It's an interesting story. That being said... <laughs> Uh oh, here it comes. This is a weird book. (laughs) Like, the answer to is Jack alive? And like, what happens to Hazel and Jack could have been a novella. Like, it could have just been a short, because it's only a tiny part of this book. All this other stuff with like what's going on in the court and Princess Charlotte and her lady's maid and this Dr. Simon, all of this other stuff is like, okay, all this that and the companions to the death. I'm like, okay, yeah, these, these are really interesting. I, I don't know. I just, I was like, where's Jack? Well, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh no. I was just going to say another important thing I think we need to talk about is the companions to the death without too many details. I right. feel like that was an interesting group of people. Benjamin Banneker, Lord Byron, Voltaire. 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 <laughs> it's it's an interesting collection of people. They mentioned some other people too. Random seamstress. Well. <laughs> Random French aristocrat. Yeah. Well, they're chemists. Yes. Yes. But and that may give you enough information about where we're going, but I also think they're the name of their group is a little weird. Companions to the death. I kept thinking Are they going was- to die? I kept thinking it was companions to death, and I was like, no, there's a the in there. Or maybe it is. And they're just always going to be companions. Y'all, the way immortality works in these books is very um, kind of crappy. Like, you just continue living, but your body decays around you, which I think, mm, that's not a very good immortality serum. I would have kept also, working yeah, on it. Doesn't make sense to me. I think I, I had this conversation with someone. Maybe it was Sarah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how can you be immortal, but yet your body's not immortal? Like, I mean, you just stay alive. I guess it's just your mind, which is immortal <laughs> or the soul. Because <laughs> they of do that. mention something about your soul staying tethered to your, which that sounds so now your decaying body. Terrible. It, but that right. sounds I mean, not right. There's descriptions where you're like, I don't like this version of immortality. Yeah, no. Death would be better than this. Also, I'm like, if, if you are, aware that you and your friends are immortal but also your body decays and doesn't automatically heal i think i would take more care of my body right right and you know i would be very i would be very delicate i would be very careful none of this accidentally cutting my hand off or oh i don't know shooting my friends for fun right um it just seems wasteful and kind of dumb people were geniuses so it couldn't be dumb oh no it's definitely dumb (laughs) it is definitely dumb well an interview with the author said um she said she she likes frankenstein and mary shelley and she said 
what she appreciates about Mary Shelley is that Mary Shelley really yada yadas the science. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, if it's good enough for Mary Shelley, Shelley. <laughs> yes. it's good enough, more than good enough for her. So she's not really, like, if you're looking for the biology and you want to <laughs> figure out this immortality <laughs> formula... That's not going to happen by reading this book. I appreciate that. I appreciate an author who's like, look, if you can't go with this, don't read this book. Right. It's just a thing that makes people immortal and it sort of works. I went with it, but I just had a lot of questions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it doesn't seem ideal. I just, just I'm just saying, I personally would worry about falling apart. Right. It doesn't sound particularly good. No. I might maybe work on making that that tincture a little better (laughs) i mean you have all the time in the world maybe don't stop you can always improve on that note let's talk about the gore of this one versus anatomy okay the way this one opened was to me incredibly gross and gory and i had forgotten that about anatomy and i was of course eating my lunch (laughs) when she gets to this part about you know these books are not she has to kind of like excise a wound a wound oh i thought okay and i thought you were talking about the the beheading and i was like the beheading isn't that bad but oh the excising the wound yeah that got gross the description of that and the fluid yeah was (laughs) off-putting yes and i was like oh yeah pause (laughs) (laughs) but that was like probably the grossest part of the book there wasn't she doesn't do a ton of hands-on doctoring right. in this book. So that is a big difference between this one and anatomy. There to was me. a scene that I thought was gross where she has to like deal with some fingers that have been injured. Yeah. yeah but it's not and oddly I found like that and then there's also a scene where she has to rip someone's arm off, which I thought was really gross. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was a little different. It I do think this one had less. She didn't actually describe all the gore right. of yes. the, that happened as a result of ripping said arm off. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> anatomy was gross. <laughs> I liked the story, but it was gross. Not, not one part. The- so I really enjoyed that immortality had less of that. <laughs> less of the yuck. Hazel is very smart and intelligent and and up to date with all the new medical um, techniques. But the new medical techniques sometimes are like, well, put leeches on it. (laughs) And it's always like, oh, 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 girl. That's right. You still think the humors are a thing. (laughs) It's amazing how she can be so smart and yet, oh, God, so dumb. Did she actually use leeches? She doesn't, but Simon does, and she yeah. like kind and of encourages yeah, Charlotte them. talks about how that's, that's true. been one of the treatments tried yeah. on her. But I was like, I don't remember Hazel doing it. Okay. No, no Simon does, and she with the king. Speaking of Simon. Mm-hmm. I like Love Simon. Triangle. I liked Simon a lot, <laughs> and I don't really want to spoil anything, but Hazel has to make a decision at some point, and I would have chosen differently. I think... I think the thing is, look, we're going to have to just spoil the fact that Jack is not dead. Like, to talk about this. No, I'm just not spoiling the decision she made. Oh, no, no, no. Is what I'm saying. No, but, like, when you set up a love triangle like this, and one of the things I liked about Jack so much in the first book is we, the first book 
kind of alternated points of view between Hazel and Jack. So we got a lot of Jack and like what he was thinking. And like one of the things I really enjoyed was Hazel and Jack's interactions and the the banter and and just watching how they related to each other. And I understood at the end of that book why Hazel and Jack went in love because I saw it happen. And then this book, Hazel spends a lot of time talking about how much she loves Jack and how she, how she loved Jack and how she was in love with Jack and Jack, 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 Jack. But we don't see Jack. And he comes in, like we said, at the very kind of, kind of really close to the end. Like it's like two thirds of the way through the book. And we find out what's going on with them, but we never get at his point of view except for like the recap of like, <laughs> this this is what happened to Jack. Here's two pages of, of Jack's story. And we don't get to see a lot of them interacting and we don't get to see a lot of that, that banter. And we, we get told a lot that they're in love, but we don't get to see it really. And whereas with Simon, he comes in and he's a new character. And so we get to see him being supportive and be see him and Hazel reacting and interacting and and he likes that she's a surgeon and he he supports that and likes it and like yeah I liked Simon a lot and I liked Simon more than Jack because I felt like Jack got the short shift in this book just as as a character but the scenes he was in like when he reappeared like he was not nice well they really. spent they spend a lot of their interactions arguing you know yeah. or, mm-hmm. or I don't know if arguing is the right word but having not conversations about, oh, we love each other and blah, blah, blah. It was a lot of like well, deep, heavy, unpleasant yeah. conversations. I wouldn't say he was not nice. He was just different. Right. He wasn't the same person, obviously. And right. like that he was right. before. And he I was think less he, um, joyful, maybe, as a person well, because yeah. of what he's been through. So, yeah. which is understandable. And I also think he has a point. Like, he, yes, he loves Hazel, but he also has a point about not wanting to be with hazel because watching hazel grow old and die would not be fun for him like that would be painful and hard to watch and hard to to deal with right and hazel's not having any of that (laughs) so are y'all both team simon i was i mean things happen that maybe changed my mind i'm not going into that because that will definitely (laughs) spoil everything but i but i also saw jack's point in that he didn't necessarily like being immortal yeah and didn't necessarily want that for hazel well especially the crappy kind of immortality right (laughs) so i could see his point but i just liked how instantly supportive simon was also he's and he bought her that beautiful bag i know that was touching he's hot and smart and norwegian and tall and (laughs) was he norwegian what was the country? He was Swedish. Swedish. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but he respected her opinion and like actually yeah. sought and took her advice to help his patient. And usually, well, usually when you're supposed to pick somebody in a love triangle, the, there's kind of a reason why you should or shouldn't pick one of them. And I don't, I don't know if that was there. I, you know, I do kind of like that. Yeah. Now that you meant, because I didn't think about it that way, but I do like that they're, they're both good guys. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with either, I would be happy with her ending up with either of them. And no, she that's was true. attracted to both of them. Yes. It wasn't like a good guy, bad guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Situation. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the author in the interview I read said that she's actually Team Simon, too. Hmm. 
Interesting. But she wasn't planning to necessarily write this book. When she wrote Anatomy and the ending with it being ambiguous like that, that was intentional. So she wasn't writing that was thinking so like, like I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna explain how this the came reader out. could just right. finish the ending how the, they thought yes, it would be. The reader was that. supposed to kind okay. of like come to their own conclusion. Yes. Okay. And there's sort of like the tragic romance here of like we don't even know okay. what will happen and that kind of thing. I I have a question. Uh huh. Okay. And maybe I'm just like not remembering it right or something. But there's a part in this book where she talks about she got a letter from somebody. Yeah. That's like meet me wherever. Yeah. That happened at the end of Anatomy. Right. No, not meet me. It was like, I'll be, yeah. I'm was, waiting for you. I'll yeah. wait for oh. you. Yeah, that's from Jack. Yeah. But I thought that she got it like after he died or something. Yeah. Yeah. He after the about, hanging, he talks about it in this book, how he wrote the letter before he left Scotland. Okay. I couldn't remember like how that He stole her resolved. horse. He stole um, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Right. And he I remember that. Because he, he was actually going go there in the woods. and yeah. he saw her through the I was, window. I was mad about it. Like, you can't just let a horse go. A horse does not know how to take care of itself. <laughs> I can't do this. I know. I was like, is he going to be able to find his way Like home? he cannot. Or you just don't. You don't just let a horse, a horse go. and be like, have fun. <laughs> well, I was just hoping. Yeah. Is Beetlejuice like a dog? Will he be able to find his way home? He didn't come home. She never saw him again. I didn't. I don't think. No, someone I, someone got themselves a good horse yeah. is what happened. <laughs> Could have done without remembering that. Yeah. Thanks, no, Sarah. So he, a, a nice farmer, a nice Scottish farmer found a nice good mm-hmm. horse. And hooked well, him to a plow. I was going to say, I hope it wasn't a farmer because then now Beetlejuice had a nice pampered life living in his cushy stable, and now he's a field horse. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never mind. Let me don't see. Don't worry. They didn't make him pull the plow. They just ate him. they would not eat him he's a useful animal no they just they kept him and rode him they were starving because he was great (laughs) they loved him they named him bob and they like took care of him and he lived a very happy long dana schwartz is listening and taking notes we want another book about about juice juice and and about the marigold dress and if those two plots could intersect somehow that would be great that would be amazing if he ends up wearing that marigold dress (laughs) that would be the best and he's immortal but the good kind of immortal yeah because they don't have horse surgeons they probably did have. I mean, they're vets. Some sort of veterinary <laughs> care. <laughs> a horse can't explain what he needs help with. You go to the farrier who took care of all that stuff. <laughs> he was like, I'm a mortal horse. <laughs> I need some help. Could you sew this up, please? <laughs> Could you sew this hoof back on? <laughs> also, somehow I learned to talk. <laughs> could you give me some fingers instead that I could do it myself? <laughs> Well, and also I read that um, she is not planning to make another book, but she's not ruling it out about this character. That makes me a little happy because I listened to these books and I loved the audio versions of these. The, The reader is just amazing. I agree because of the, the anatomy I read Mm-hmm. And this one I listened to, and being able to hear that Scottish brogue was really nice. Yeah, I listen and read. I like I did both, and because I go back and forth, and uh, it, they're just a joy to listen to. Can we get the reader's name? Because it was just so good. Because I think we should give 
give that reader a shout out because it was just great. Mari Morrison and Tim Campbell. Yes. I will say, if she does want to write more in this world, she has set it up in a way that I think it would be easy to go back to, to write something. Because I will say, like, this book, I really, it it had very little... <laughs> Had very little to do with the first one except to have I mean like Hazel's the same character and you know Jack does show up but like for the most part this book was about its own thing it was about Pinch the Charlotte and about the court and and King George the third and all that yeah. stuff and I really just enjoyed all that part of the book I thought that was really interesting and I I really like the way she writes I will say there's a plot line from the first one involving Dr. Beecham the bad right. guy it gets resolved in this one, so to speak, kind of resolved. Sort it of. gets addressed, maybe. And I was very dissatisfied with that but explanation. I think she talks enough about Beecham, though, especially when to the Companions of the Death, that you get enough of what and who Dr. Beecham was, yeah. I feel like, so that if you were reading this book... No, no. Sarah just wants justice, and she is mad that she did There's not no get it. There's no justice. But there's not going to be. He's immortal. What are they going to do to him? Chop his head off? I'm just saying. It doesn't work. (laughs) The way that that relationship ended in the first book and then the way that she was so, like, polite and in this one was frustrating to me. I guess. I think Hazel was probably nicer to him than I think I would have been. Yes. I think I don't think I would have been as, as polite or nice. She also needed answers from him. So she had to be, she had to play kind a little bit of a game, kind of nice, I feel like. Yeah. Mm, I guess. You know, <laughs> the art of manipulation. And I don't know who I think is more villainous. About, yes. When I was going to say worse, but more villainous is, is better. The companions to the death and kind of like the Lavassiers. What or? they're doing and their, their manipulation of things or Beecham, who's just kind of living his own life. He's like kind of kind of a jerk he's not very nice but like he was murdering people i mean okay yes he was murdering people yeah and he was murdering people for profit and targeting the poor right those that maybe couldn't defend themselves or wouldn't okay they're all awful never mind (laughs) i'm not i'm not like in that regard (laughs) i just don't don't know know that the companions to the death weren't doing that because they didn't really seem to care about the general population I didn't get the impression either. they were doing much. It seemed like they got together every night to drink and talk about how awesome well, they, they were. they were trying to control yeah. the political movements. I know, but didn't seem like it was working too great. I mean, no. That's the problem with people. They People don't do what they you want them to do. I will say one of those villains got a little bit of what was coming to them. Yeah. At the end. I don't yeah. want to spoil that because yeah. no. it's actually no. a little humorous. <laughs> right. And I really don't want to spoil any of that because <laughs> it's great. it made me giggle a little, a little yeah, bit. It did. Some oh. things were <laughs> well resolved and some things I wish had turned out differently. That's all. Well, does anybody have any good read-alikes or recommended reads for this? I, did, I couldn't really come up with anything new that I didn't recommend for anatomy. Uh, because the first one I recommended was The Dark Descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein by Kirsten White, which is historical, has the strong female protagonist, and it's dark and twisty. It has that whole, like, Frankenstein aspect to it. But there are bits of anatomy and immortality, which are kind of Frankenstein-y, considering the way the immortality works in that story. It does feel like very... 
Which now makes a lot of sense based on what Sarah said she read from that interview. Then if you also like historical romance, um, there's a series by Tears of Price. The first one's Pride and Premeditation, which as you probably guessed is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice. I know I've talked about this one before, so I'll be quick about it. But this one has a 17-year-old Lizzie Bennett. She's an aspiring lawyer trying to solve a murder while pitted against a Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy, who is trying to keep her from meddling with his case. That actually sounds really fun. It is. I think the second one is a play on Sense and Sensibility. And then I know there's a third one either out or in the works. And I can't remember what that one's a play on. But I really liked Pride and Premeditation. So I need to check out the rest of the series when I have time to read things. When you're done with Akatar? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps. Perhaps. Sarah, did you have one? Yeah. And this is one, again, I have not read myself. But it's The Marvels by Brian Selznick. And if you like Jack in this book, this uh, story, The Marvels, also involves somebody who survives a shipwreck and works in a theater. And it's set in uh, originally in 1766, and then it goes through time and travels through time. And involves a spooky house and things like that, and mysteries and things to uncover. So I it have- sounds like maybe it would be kind of have some of the same elements of this one i have read that one it's very good and i've also read it with like all of his work if you if you if you look at it and think oh my god that book is huge i'll never get through that book it's kind of like a graphic novel hybrid yes he does he does both he does a lot of beautiful very detailed pencil illustrations i love it and half of that book is told through pictures at least half and they're, he does it in a really fun way. I think he's a lot of fun. I like all of his books. Do you have a read like for this one? I do. I cannot remember if I recommended this when we did Anatomy, but a book called The Lady's Guide to Petticoats and Piracy by Pretty Mackenzie sure Lee. Did. I yeah. think I did because it's about a girl about the same time period. She wants to be a doctor. Um, yeah, you totally did. She follows that. <laughs> okay. So oh, same, same, <laughs> same again. Well, yeah, um, I have the same issue. <laughs> I, right, <laughs> right. It's a specific genre. It well, is a very specific genre. <laughs> if you like Scotland in general, there's another one um, that was in our catalog called "The Dark Missions of Edgar Brim," that is set in Scotland and also involves um, a horror element to it. But that's by Shane Peacock. Well, let's talk about what we're reading on the next episode, and I think it's Sarah's turn to pick. It is my turn to pick. So what do you have in store for us this time, Sarah? Well, I was looking ahead to summer, and for us, a big part of every summer is the Summer Reading Challenge, and we encourage you all to sign up and participate in that. begins May 15th, but the theme this year is Camp Kindness, so I chose a book that is set at summer camp. And there are so many titles set at summer camp, it was difficult to choose just one. But the one I picked is called The Counselors by Jessica Goodman. And it is about, mostly about a girl named Goldie who has grown up attending this summer camp in Vermont with her two very best friends. And now the three girls are counselors at the camp. But then a local boy is found dead on camp property. And uh, Goldie may have some connections to him. And so may some of her friends, so she has to try to figure out what happened. 
There's a twist that makes it Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Murder. I was like, it can't just be a book about summer camp. No. Now, our summer camp at the library will involve no murder at all. None. Only acts of (laughs) kindness. So we encourage you, like I said, to sign up for summer reading and to visit the library this summer to look for all kinds of cool camp-related and kindness-related programs. We will have a link in the episode description, so if you want to register right from there, you can do so. This has been another episode of Spill It by the Gwinnett County Public Library. I'm Sarah. I'm Catherine. I'm Patty. And we want you to join us next time when we'll get into the spirit of summer and spill the tea on summer camp title, The Counselors. Remember to like, review, and subscribe. And until next time, keep reading. <laughs>